There were two other glass-tubed receivers with tags that read Debtor and Deadest. The cabinets were deeply carved with dozens of initials as well as crude drawings of cruder body parts. These radios had endured a hard life before Niagara, the good witch of the electronic forest, had taken them in. George ran his hand over the oval glass bulbs, like a blind man returned to familiar terrain. I cannibalized them, Niagara said. Some Silicon Valley types finally gave the VO tech schools computers to get them beyond radio repair. But these were out of date in the 50s. Niagara said the teacher with seniority wouldn't give them up. Anyway, one man's trash is another woman's treasure. Parked in the shade of the satellite dish, the trailer was chilly and more than a little dank. This was the odor that clung to Niagara's memos and magazines. It smelled like an old lady, clammy and stale. The appropriate accompaniment to Niagara's dresses and hearing aid. In contrast to George's elderly notion of her, Niagara was fidgeting herself into a frenzy. She offered George a bulky man's sweater took it back before he could accept it, and began pulling burrs of wool from the fuzzy bundle. When she offered the sweater again, George took it to make her stop picking. Her hands orbited like a satellite until she turned her attention to her cuticles, savagely biting the skin around her thumbnail. Are you okay? George asked. He wrapped the sweater around himself and was enveloped by the mustiness that he regarded as Niagara's scent. Sure, she said. Should we eat? We should eat now. Usually, she just moved around. This high-speed twitching was new and unbecoming. George halved the portions, but she was not much interested in her plate. She looked around her as if people were whispering away. George, she said. You see this one? She pointed to the machine marked dead. Niagara was so jumpy, she kept flinging food with her chopsticks, seemingly animating each morsel. Last night, I picked up some static before midnight, just messing around at 150 megahertz. As she did when she first told him about her research, she put her hand in front of her mouth, possibly hoping to trap her words on the way out. At first, it was a low drone, a whine with the inflections of voice. I thought Moscow radio or something. Underneath the sweater, George felt dread pimple his arms. Anyway, I masked some of the weaker frequencies and, clear as your voice in this room, the veteran starts talking to me. From a radio set? George asked. He's in a coma. Besides, does he even know your name? He hadn't known you could pick up ham operators on that kind of set. Not from a radio set, Niagara said. Not ham. He wouldn't have any equipment in the hospital, George said. If he was even conscious. Niagara flung a piece of dumpling into the air. Cut it out, she said. Perhaps to herself or to George to stop him from running through the facts. Apparently what had happened had nothing to do with facts. I heard him through that radio. He's not in a coma. He's dead. You talked to him. No, I haven't gotten that far. I just listened. She frowned as she chewed her shredded beef. She looked as if she might cry. George swallowed hard. He could still taste the flavor of last night's dream, the heaviness that weighted down his chest and forced out his breath in a yelp. Maybe he was starring as someone else in the hours before daylight. Maybe he was the ailing veteran begging Niagara to listen to his dying wish. And maybe electricity is generated by little gnomes throwing sparks at each other. Niagara's sadness enhanced George's skepticism. If you made contact, he asked, why aren't you a little happy? Let's just say it could have been better. I could have taped it. It could have been worse, George said. It could have been my mother.